Hello and welcome to the Education Marketer podcast. I'm Kyle Campbell, founder of Education Marketer, and today I'm joined by the Ambassador Platform and two student ambassadors to discuss how peer-to-peer has changed. It used to be good enough to just put a student chat on your website, but the best schools and ambassadors are now taking this medium to new places. With me are Kira McNeely for the Ambassador Platform and two student ambassadors, Victoria Lay and Nidia Smut, for their take on the new peer-to-peer playbook. Let's get on with the show. Peer-to-peer has really changed quite considerably um, in recent years. It's now a lot more than just um, implementing chat on the website. Through the, the ambassador platform, ambassadors can share their content. They can post photos and videos to really highlight all of the amazing things they're getting up to on campus. So all of that, that content can be shared. Um, and then I work very closely with our university admins on embedding that content on different social media channels, in their email communications, and even the, the social media channels that, that students are using now is, is changing. We're seeing TikTok and uh, YouTube being really popular um, among the kind of Gen Z audience um, and video content really kind of standing out there. So there've been lots of changes in that regard. And I think for the marketers going forward, automation, personalization in, in student recruitment and marketing is also becoming a, a bigger thing. So there's a real kind of opportunity to, to make that student experience one that's memorable, enjoyable, um, and, and highly personalized using student ambassadors. So you mentioned that part of the, the next focus is taking those, those peer-to-peer interactions, if you like, and then moving them to social media and you, you help people do that. Um, where do you think the challenges are with that? Because there's no shortage of universities using ambassador-based content in, in these channels, but do you see like sticking points or consistent challenges that, that come up in that regard? What, where, where are the things that universities maybe need to think a little bit differently in the future compared to the way they are thinking about peer-to-peer ambassador in social media right now? Yeah, previously social media was kind of owned by university departments and marketing managers would have a real kind of influence on the content that was going out. But I think a lot more now universities are looking to change that up and really empower ambassadors to create content that speaks directly to students. It's more impactful. It's it's done in in language that students can relate to. So I think that's a real opportunity. And, and through the ambassador platform, we help make that a bit easier. Collecting all of that content and curating it can be really time consuming for admins, but we to take some of that stress away by really empowering ambassadors and giving them the skills to to develop content that's really impactful as well. Yeah, I'm definitely seeing more schools work with a select group of ambassadors mm-hmm. uh, yeah, platforms like, like TAP um, and then just focus on working with those particular people when they're then working in social. So you have the the interaction, like the conversational element, but then you also have the focus on the content that individual is creating, you work with them consistently for a number of years and they become almost this extension of the, the university, but a human face behind it. And I think aspirationally over the next few years, a, a lot more institutions will, will move in that uh, direction. Victoria, um, we've, we've just spoken about the sort of change in emphasis of, of, of peer-to-peer. You're an ambassador now and you're an ambassador in several different places, apparently. Um, but when you were looking for institutions and looking at your study choices, did you speak to other students during that 
process? Um, and if so, what were those conversations like? And what did you want to learn um, from other students when you're making those study choices? So, yeah, I definitely tried to speak to as many students as I could. But um, when I was a student, I really wanted to know what my fellow Peruvians did their whole admissions process, how long it took for them to get their visas. Because obviously the admission process is the same. You get the cast number and then you wait for the visa. But for me, it was the waiting time. Is it normal for me to wait this much time? Um, considering that we were all from the same country, I really want to speak to them in terms of waiting times for visas. I also want to know how they feel in the city or for example, which bank account was the best one to send money from Peru to England. So all of those things, I think um, it's always good to know from someone that has already experienced it or is going through it, especially if they're from your same country because then you just think, oh, they're in the same situation as me. Um, I'll probably need to go through that as well. So yeah, definitely did my best to try to chat with Peruvian students, if not, then South American students. That's so interesting. So the one thing you mentioned in there that I think is more familiar with marketers is getting a, a sense of place in a, in a city. But the two other things you mentioned, visas, bank accounts, you, you know, this, this is content that's widely available, but you went to students to get that information. So you actually had a chat with other people who have been through that process from your, from your country. Why did you choose to learn that information in, in that way rather than go to say like a web page that's been created by the university on on that very topic what was the the differentiating factor in that decision but definitely what you guys mentioned before was to have a familiar face behind all of that information um because it makes you think oh they that i know them they've studied here as well and then they're, they're there and they're recommending this to, to you because they've been through it so i think that getting all this info from like websites and platforms is really important. It guides you, but it's always really good to know from the actual people that are studying there to have this first-hand information. Ilya, I'm going to go to you in a second for, for your take on this, but uh, Kira, just from the, the operational side of mm -hmm. things, do, do you think there's probably more scope for universities to consider their their, their peer networks, not just as like a, a marketing tool, but maybe even something to deal with with what we've heard here, like these visa inquiries, these real sort of problems that the students face. Do you think there's probably scope there to train ambassadors in these topics? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we did a full kind of research project at the start of this year to better understand why prospective students like to reach out to ambassadors. Um, and their number one reason for reaching out was to speak to people with firsthand experience of something that they would be um, encountering. Yeah. Um, and the second reason was to corroborate the information that they were getting from the university as well. So um, I think Victoria just explained that perfectly, being able to actually speak to someone that's gone through that experience um, and to really hear an authentic um, account of, of what that experience is like is just so valuable to prospects. Ilya, I want to bring you in here to talk about your, your experience. Um, we had a quick chat before this session um, and you discovered your university via peer-to-peer -peer conversations as well but you noted that there was a difference in quality in the type of conversations you were having between institutions. Um, firstly, depending on the quality of those conversations, did that affect your view of the university overall and 
and if it did, what would you have liked to have seen done differently with those particular ambassadors? Yeah, so as for me, when I was chatting to students using different platforms, uh, there were not much functionality back in the day, like two years ago, before the COVID, before everything. So the problem for me was, so I was looking into two aspects. First was the speed of responses, because if, for example, I'm asking something about the Leicester or about any other city and the student responds to me in two weeks, sorry, this is no longer relevant. I'm no longer looking at your university. I'm very sorry. Yeah. So I, I got the response from somewhere else. They explained everything well. Thank you. Yeah. So this was the one thing. And the second thing for me was, so obviously there are a lot of questions that a student that you're chatting with uh, don't know the answer for. Yeah. So I had a lot of such situations and different institutions, different ambassadors replied differently. So for, ex for example, some people just said, I don't know. And that's it. And conversation ended. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Other students uh, were really, very helpful to me. So they said, I don't know, but. Uh, this is the place where I think you can find information or this is the university department you can talk to to find out more or this is my colleague from this course, maybe they know more. Yeah, so this signposting, this mm, desire to help, this is what really changed my opinion about the Montfort University, first of all, and some other institutions, yeah, because if I feel that the university, the students there are interested in me. They want to help, even though they don't know the answer to the question. This is something that really changes your attitude. This is what we, as uh, the ambassadors, are trying to teach our new colleagues that were recruited this year, like to sign posts to new information, to, to information sources if you don't know the answer. So this is what I was looking for. And this is what really de uh, defines the quality of the conversation. So... We often acknowledge that training is a bit of a gap, um, but what you're speaking about here is general approach and the right sort of candidate. Um, you mentioned that you're, you're training people about attitude. How do you deliver those, those training sessions? Are they done digitally? Is there an induction? What does that look like for you at the Montfort? So in the Montfort University, recently we actually had a few training sessions I was taking part in. Yeah, so how it's done. Uh, it is a face-to-face -face training. So people arrive, they see each other, it is a very good thing to build a feeling of community. So we also introduce all the managers, all the people they will be working with. We show that there is nothing scary. No one is going to be angry at you. Yeah. So we're all fellow students. We're all trying to help each other. So there is a presentation. So we describe what people are going to do, basically. And then we have a special section when we discuss the quality of service that we're looking for the quality that we want the student, the potential students to receive. So we discuss what is customer service, how we should signpost student, uh, how we should behave, how we should uh, encourage conversation. This is how we do it, yeah. And I think it is a really nice thing to do because people who are applying to a role of student ambassadors, they don't really often think about uh, the level of the service they can provide. They think about the, oh, I know this, I know that, I can tell it, yeah. But for me, how it's done. Yeah. It's sometimes even more important than the actual information that you are given. How you are given this information is sometimes more important than the information itself. Quality of service, level of service. Kira, this is music to your ears. I'm pretty yep, sure. Absolutely. Um, 
you know, we've, we've heard that there's a bit of a problem here about the, the quality of responses. What do you think's the, the drivers behind that? I mean, obviously sometimes it's training attitude, but mm-hmm. are there wider university implications? What do you think as a sector in a whole that might show some of this service yeah. uh, in some areas? I think um, Ilya's touched on some really interesting points there. And I was on a webinar with Edified a few weeks ago where they were talking about the inquiry experience tracker. Um, and from their research, they found 85% of peer-to-peer communications were deemed highly personal and very tailored um, to prospective students. On the flip side, the university responses maybe weren't as warm and engaging. So I think there's a real gap there, but an opportunity for universities to use student ambassadors because they are incredible. They can deliver information in a, in a really effective and persuasive manner. And I think it really just comes down to the recruitment. And as we talked about, the training of ambassadors being so important in that. I think that the universities that are really working well with ambassadors and seeing great results have regular touch points with their student ambassadors, encouraging their student ambassadors, highlighting when great conversations are happening or when students are posting great content to really develop student ambassadors' skills and their confidence in that area. So one of the the projects that I'm actually working on at the moment is developing a whole series of ambassador activities. Um, So from the new year, we're going to be launching an ambassador webinar series, a LinkedIn group, and more events as well to really support ambassadors develop their skills and also give them the opportunity to share their knowledge as well. I think people like Ilya and Victoria have so much information and they've developed really great skills through this work experience that they can actually share with other ambassadors and teach other ambassadors how to, how to do it properly. The edified report, I can't escape this. So I think I see it every other day on LinkedIn. Someone else has picked up on it and you are right. There's, there's a few gaps been highlighted from it and persuasive comms is one of them. Universities ranked as very good at giving factual information and generally responding, but lacking on the persuasiveness on the, on the personalness. And for me, I've always felt that with, with peer to peer, you can feel certain gaps, not all of them, but using your ambassadors, even like general email campaigns, inquiry based campaigns and things like that. I think there's a, a real crossover there. I think there's a general challenge as well. I don't want to f- make it feel like we're attacking the sector. Also highlighted in that same report was a pretty severe lack of resource responding mm-hmm. to inquiries, right? Um, I think it was what, 10 to 50,000 inquiries a year and only one to five people responding to them. I mean, there's clearly an issue there, but yeah, highlighting that is, is, is bang on. It's a good one to go to. Uh, I like the idea of your your content focused on ambassadors. So you're you're doing a regular webinar series. What's that going to look like? Is that monthly, fortnightly? How's that? Yeah, we're thinking of um, running this every other month. So having um, a whole range of webinars that are focused around not just how students can use our platform, but how they can develop their own skills. How do they talk about the work experience that they're doing to future employers? How do they get the most value from all of the activities they're doing? They're obviously building their social media knowledge, their experience in customer service, um, communication skills. There's so many different skills that are at play here, um, as well as all of the activities they're doing off the platform as well. They're, they're leading on events. They're showing people around their campus. They're real ambassadors in their communities, and we want to be able to um, help them articulate that experience in a meaningful way when they, they finish their, their studies as well. 
Yeah, I'd like to um, join that as a lurker and not bother anyone just see what it's like yeah. if you, you don't yeah. mind. Yeah. So, Victoria, we've just heard about the regular touch points of ambassador and, and how important that is. What does your setup look like with your various different ambassador roles? Do you meet with ambassadors frequently? If so, what do those activities look like? Are they more social in nature or do they have more organisational priorities put to the forefront and how that links to the work that you're doing like how how are you used as an ambassador by the, the various institutions that you work for so we have two different types so the first one is obviously in person uh in a more friendly environment where you feel comfortable giving feedback um and that goes for both of my ambassador roles both in NCUK and at uni um so it's really good to meet with all the ambassadors share your opinions and over a coffee and a biscuit it just makes it more friendly um but we also receive some emails questionnaires so we can give written feedback so that obviously the managers can read that and all of them can read that and have access to it at uni we do keep more of a regular contact with the managers that oversee the events and, and the platforms uh because it means that we are providing this service as ambassadors but in a much bigger scale so the contact is much more regular than the one I have for, for example, um, my ambassador role at NTUK because we're all working as ambassadors, but online. So it's quite difficult to meet in person. So we do that once a year, but it's yeah. still really good. And we, uh, I like the fact that we can give all this uh, feedback, positive and negative, <laughs> in a friendly environment. So it just makes you feel like it's fine to say it because that's something that some ambassadors fear. They don't want to give feedback because they think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. But if it's a friendly environment, it gives you the confidence to speak. So, so it leads back in then after like a, an open event or some sort of ambassador activity, your line managers actually invite you together to talk about your feedback from the event. Is, is that right? Yeah, that's right. So we have that time to talk about how the event went, what could go or what could be better or what could we work on more. So we, we always keep in contact with that. Ilya, is that the same for you or is it delivered a little bit differently at your university? Yes, it's mostly same, but speaking uh, specifically about the peer-to-peer -peer, uh, conversations and our subset of ambassadors that are doing this. So we tried to build something like a huge community support network. So we created a chat in Microsoft Teams where we added all the ambassadors on the ambassador platforms, all the managers that helping us to do the content and everything. So, and we created an online resource, online chat where we're just constantly chatting, discussing our experiences. Uh, so the benefits of such approach, in my opinion, is the speed, the speed of responses. So for example, imagine that you're encountering some issue, yes, uh, with some potential student or you just don't know what to reply. So you can just post this message on the group, just send the message and uh, someone will respond and it will be mostly immediately. Yeah. So uh, if our managers are unavailable at that time, someone else, someone, some other ambassador who maybe already had such a situation, they will respond. They will uh, share with you your, uh, their experience. And so the speed of responses is fascinating. So you don't need, for example, to wait for a week until the next meeting. And another benefit is that it is fast for you and it is fast for a person you are talking to. Yeah. Because person is waiting for your reply and you need to know what to reply. Yeah. So this is why I believe such approach is very beneficial. 
also it puts less pressure on yourself because sometimes for some people, uh, the face-to-face meetings and when you need to speak in front of everyone, it's a bit pressurable. So when you're chatting uh, online, it is less pressure for students, for student ambassadors. And also it encourages collaboration because you can always identify some ideas that you may have. You can post them. Everyone will write the feedback. Maybe the line man- uh, our managers will see the idea and incorporate into our uh, requirements. Yeah. So this is very interesting. And I believe this is a nice way to do things. Yeah. I keep hearing speed come up as this almost like a differentiator. We've had speed in responding to students, speed in getting your inquiries answered, and there's other references to it as well. I, I, I see this come up in reports consistently about how long it takes for institutions to get back to, to students. And it almost makes me think that just because you're the, you're the fastest institution, you're, you're automatically being put at the front of the, the, the queue, really. So you, you might have a, a course and an offer and a great like positioning, but if, you, if you're not engaging in the conversation, you're not being considered. So good to hear that speed's coming up and you have mechanisms in place to support you to deliver your activity. Um, Kira, let's have a wee chat about different ways of thinking about peer-to-peer. I, I've noticed probably in the last year or so, and I don't know what kicked it all off, but this word community is being used a lot more than it used to. Maybe it's because social's having a bit of an identity crisis and it's moving on to its next thing. And, you know, it used to be that everyone was shouting about building an audience, but now they want to build a community. I'm worried about this because it's really hard to build an audience and it's like almost impossible to build an engaged community unless you approach it in the a certain number of ways. What's your take on this phenomenon? What do you think is driving that, that conversation? And, you know, based on being a, a leader in the, the peer-to-peer space, what do you think it will take for institutions to actually be able to build communities where students are engaged? Really good question. I mean, there's a number of factors at play here, right? But I think we can't deny that the pandemic's had a huge impact on on students. Students that are applying today, they've done some of their studies through the lockdown, maybe not had as much contact with their teachers, with their peers during that time. Um, and so they're coming into university with a lot of anxiety, not just around, not, not just from kind of mental health issues, but also just the cost of living. There's lots and lots of different influencing factors that are kind of triggering that, that, that need for community. But I think it's a real opportunity for, for universities to use tools to, to help support that. And again, student ambassadors are, are really, they are the community. They're part of the, the existing community. They can really speak to what it's like to, to be at that institution and support with that transition from maybe high school to, to the campus. With communities, obviously your you, you ambassadors, almost like a community manager in, in that sense. Um, what do you think is the, the stumbling block for, for some universities when it comes to community? So for instance, with TAP, you have community-based chats, like conversational rooms, but you're, you're looking to move that on into actually building a community platform. So you see a difference between the two. So what do you think that is? And what do you think would differentiate schools with engaged communities versus those that are just building a group, so to speak? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so I mentioned um, that we ran a, a research project um, earlier this year. And as part of that research, we asked prospects um, if they would like to be able to connect with fellow applicants, their, their future classmates, their future flatmates as well before they, they start um, university. And overwhelmingly, I think it was around 75% of those respondents said that it was extremely or very important to them to be able sure. to make connections with, with their future classmates. So that's what's really kind of driven our, our platform along and why we're now looking to launch a community feature. The main difference um, being that prospective students will be able to not only connect with ambassadors and see all the great content from ambassadors, but also connect with their future peers to make that transition a little less daunting to ease some of those anxieties that they may have. As Victoria, Victoria kind of touched on with her first answer, being able to speak to somebody like you and see, okay, there's, there's somebody from my country or there's somebody that's um, starting the same course as me. Let me make a connection. Let me um, chat to that person. That really breaks down that barrier when then coming onto campus and meeting those people in real life. So it's just about easing uh, that transition period from, from being an applicant to being an actual student. Victoria, um, one of the sort of phrases that I've seen quite used quite often in community spaces is that students want to make friends before they start university. How do you feel about a sentiment like that? Just I'm always looking at this in real time. So, you know, if you want to use a community before you come to study somewhere, how, what, what's your perspective on that? How would you go about building relationships in those, those sort of spaces? Do you think you want to make friends before you would have started as a student? Is that the right word to use? How do you think those tools should be, should be used or what, what would your aspiration be for them? What would they add that they haven't added in the past? So for me personally, I wasn't really looking to make friends online. I prefer to find familiar faces once I arrived at the uni. And I wasn't really comfortable with becoming friends before or like online. Um, I do think uni provides like lots of support on that. So on, on the chats that we have with ambassadors, what, when I was a prospective student, um, they would guide me to what I was interested in. So like, for example, societies. So I wanted to go, I wanted to come to the, the UK, to uni and find friends with my similar interests here, not really make friends online. Mm. That makes sense. I do think that here in uni, they do know how to guide you to where you would like to go. So like, if you're looking for a sports society or if you're looking to join a team, like a sports team, a football team, they know where, where you can go. They have like Facebook groups as well. LBU carry events like all year long for those who would like to engage more. So there are events going on for everything, walking clubs, origami, music. So this helps you find friends that share the same interests as you. Um, so in my case, I preferred to have someone guide me to find those places rather than having someone, I felt like it was like, a forced friendship, maybe, because it was everything yes. online. So almost like a a first a layer of contact, right? And then showing you where you can make those more authentic connections once you arrive on, on campus. Ilya, I, I see you're keen to speak on this as well from your experience. What was uh, what's your take and how did you go about this when you were first starting out at university? 
when I was starting, I wasn't that worried about my classmate as I was worried about my flatmate, for example, yeah, because uh, these are the people I'll be contacting with every day, for example, yeah. So uh, gladly, some accommodation providers are also providing the opportunity to speak with the people who will be living with you in the same flat. So I utilized it. I spoke with them. So, but I didn't make friends online. Yeah. So it was just to make sure that everything will be okay. Yeah. So I just wanted to know who I'm going to live with. And when I already became a student, yes, there are a lot of opportunities to find new people, student societies, sport clubs, events, different talks, everything. Yeah. But I wasn't really looking for friends online. Same as Victoria, because I wanted to have this real engagement, real interactions, real friends. Yeah. Yeah. And other things you were considering when, when choosing a university. So we've got the element of making you feel welcome and helping you make those connections on campus once you arrive. But when you were using peer to peer network, was there anything else that was good for making you feel more confident about your study choices that you felt like it was a, a good decision? that you were going to the right school, that was a good fit because of a peer-to-peer -peer interaction? Or was it a little bit more mixed than that? Yeah, so first of all, when you're looking to a course page uh, on the university website or any other uh, pages on the website or some official guides, official books, etc., all this information presented, as for me, as for a potential student back in the day, yeah, it always felt a bit biased. So I know, yes, you want your university to look better. You're advertising yourself, I understand. You're always a bit suspicious about the information you see. So we have a wonderful network of students. Yes, I understand, but is it really wonderful? So, but with peer-to-peer -peer interactions, I had an opportunity to really engage with this network that was advertised. I could really find information about my course. I knew how it will be conducted. I knew what information will be presented. Yeah, so it's a nice way to make information delivery less, you know, less looking like advertising. Yeah, it's more like helpful interaction. So I believe it really helps. Yeah. Kira, bring us home here. Um... What do you think is the biggest untapped opportunity for using peer-to-peer -peer networks in 2024? Is there a one thing that um, universities should be doing to really leverage the power of peer-to-peer -peer in the next year? Yeah, I think something that we are just sort of starting to hear from customers and talk to, to universities about is the power of their alumni networks. I think increasingly there's lots of alternatives to university now and students are really wondering is university in general just the right route for them with apprenticeships, with employment being other kind of attractive routes to go down. So I think recent graduates can be incredibly persuasive and influential in that decision-making. They can not only talk about their experiences at university, but also the impact that their studies have had on their career outcomes. As Ilya said, that the universities have lots of um, information on their websites, and that includes career outcomes, but actually being able to connect with a real person and say, hey, what was your experience? How have you got to where you are today? I think that's a real untapped opportunity. Yeah, and bridging that. So something like LinkedIn, I think, is is massive. It's ridiculous how many postgraduate students on on LinkedIn. It's such a popular platform, and 
for some universities, LinkedIn is now in their, their top three platforms, which sounds bizarre when you say it, but actually there's a lot of students on there. And I think with the right peer-to-peer -peer strategy, combining like the owned experience on the website with that social bridging content community, mm. there's something there in 2024 for sure. And the best alumni teams are already doing it. Like Falmouth's doing a fantastic job reaching out to alumni. It's a smaller school. They've got a bit more of a focused remit. It's probably easier for them, but they've got a very personal approach to reaching out to alumni on the, on the platform, for instance. So yeah, there's, there's a lot to be done in, in that space. Um, thank you very much today, this, this amazing panel. Um, for the audience, we're doing quite a few of these over the next four months with different topics on, on peer-to-peer. Our next one is on data-driven insights and what the ambassador platforms gleaned from all those conversations that take place. We're also going to go into best practice on having those uh, conversations, like a student-student conversation. What are the kind of rules, not rules so much, but in the ways best approach it to get the uh, better results. And then also peer-to-peer uh, -peer in the role of student retention. So lots of different topics going a bit more into the detail over the next few months. But yeah, there's a good swathe of stuff to get your arms around. You can hear about all of those at theeducationmarketer.co.uk or by simply following Tap or myself on LinkedIn. So thank you very much to everyone for attending today. Take care and uh, I'm sure we'll speak to you all again very soon.